Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Malaki, and the Waters Technology U.S. editor. Uh, I just want to start saying that thank you to Anthony for joining us today. Uh, I kind of sprung this on him. This is early in the morning. I have a couple other uh, uh, pots on the stove, so to speak, and uh, it's going to kind of help me out doing this a little bit earlier in the day. So I sprung this on him right when he came in, which is not when you want to spring things on Anthony Malakian for those I, PR people out there. I'm not a morning person to begin with, and it probably didn't help the fact that I was out at the bar after the event last night until about one o'clock in the morning drinking Johnny Walker Blue Label, living like a rock star. Humble brag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I really feel like I deserve, we were giving away the uh, Cell Side Technology Awards last night. I really feel like I deserve an award for best editor showing up to do a podcast, you know, at the at the crack of 10 a.m. in the morning. We'll throw that category in there next year at the Cell Side Technology Awards and be sure to uh, honor you. Maybe we'll name that award in your honor. We'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, but just talking, just talking with Anthony about what to do for this week, I think, you know, obviously we're going to we're going to, you know, promote our own stuff. Why not? So we had a great conference yesterday and we had a great awards and there was a ton of great information. So we're just going to kind of pick through and we're not going to be able to touch on everything. Keep an eye on the site for the next week or so. There'll be a ton of great stories out about the, uh, the event. But uh, for now, you know, we're going to go through a couple different things. So Anthony, I know you had some notes to start on a few different things. Um, wh- where do you want to start off in terms of something that caught your eye? And then we can kind of just, you know. Yeah, um, I guess. So we'll start off with uh, the North American Trading Architecture Summit. Um, I guess that what, you know, it'd be interesting to hear from our listeners, for the people that were there to hear about what worked, you know, what doesn't work and what we can improve upon just as an event um, to make it more valuable to people. Um, one thing that I thought some interesting feedback I got was a guy from uh, Morgan Stanley um, came up to me and we were just talking about how analytics, we have one broad analytics uh, topic. Um, I think that uh, would be better. And I know that we have uh, some of our events people are listeners of the show. Hi, Victoria. Um, so oh, they're listening. They're listening. <laughs> Wait, quick. I think we should give them a little bit, you know, because our readers are part of the family. They're part of the, the trust tree. We should give them a little bit of background. Uh, about two episodes or three episodes ago, we were talking about uh, FIA Boca. Is that right, Anthony? FIA Boca? Uh, yep, it was FIA Boca. And, uh, and uh, Anthony mentioned how they were running a great panel and great conference. And he might have said, yeah, you know, I said something to the effect of, oh, I wish our conference producers would have done something. And, uh, well, lo and behold, our conference producers do listen to our podcast, and uh, they let it be known. They were none too pleased. So, Victoria, we know you're listening, and we think you're doing a, a, a bang-up job. I think that's the British term. She's British. I think that's the British way of saying good job. Who cares? Sure, anyway, sure. that's enough press time for so, our conference people. We have this the analytics, uh, and he brought up a good point, that we should have one panel um, that focus more on business intelligence and the data governance and data quality that you have that, you know, just very specific hardcore into that. And then the other end of it is the advanced analytics, the machine learning, the data science of it. So I thought that was some uh, good feedback um, that I got. Um, I guess, you know, I'll just jump into another topic. Sure. Some, uh, at the drinks afterwards, uh, a CIO uh, whom I greatly respect, uh, he told me that, you know, he, he said, I've been trying to get my head around what blockchain is. After watch, we had a panel on blockchain and goes, after watching that panel, I'm about halfway there. 
And that made me feel very good about myself to know that the CIO is as smart as anybody I know. Um, that he's even like, I'm not really 100% sure what blockchain is, so I try and listen to some other people to understand it. Um, and yes. so, so that was kind of cool. No, I, I, thought. I think that's great. And uh, to your point, I actually sat in um, on the uh, on the panel. You were uh, sharing another panel, which we'll get into a little bit later on, but I actually sat in on that panel. And one thing that I found that was really interesting was um, one of the... Uh, one of the CIOs that sat on the uh, sat on the panel, um, Michael McGovern, CIO of Brown Brothers Harriman, uh, said the idea of blockchain causing total disruption of the markets is rubbish. And he said you can quote me on that. And then he spelt out rubbish for everyone in the audience. So I got a kick out of that. Um, I think you know. I think there was there was obviously a lot of talk on the C level panel, which we can get into on the blockchain about the, about the blockchain. Um, and you know, Dennis Gonzalez, uh, you know, former uh, Deutsche Bank, uh, Deutsche Asset and uh, Wealth Management, was moderating. He did a really good job. At the, he's at AAG now, right? Yeah, I, bl- I believe so. Yeah, don't don't quote me on don't quote me on that, but I believe so, yes. Uh, he did a great job of drilling in on uh, you know the all four uh, participants saying, you know, when are we going to see actual implementation? And everyone kind of hedges their bet and goes, but it sounds like within a year sometime early 2017 we'll actually see real implementation of a blockchain solution uh but i thought dennis did a great job and i thought the panel was very interesting for anyone that was was there i thought that was great um do you want to talk uh, a little bit about your fixed income panel uh sure uh, so you know you i was chairing at the same time as the blockchain panel um in stream two i was chairing a panel on fixed income and, you know, you kind of worry, you know, is blockchain going to suck all the air out of the room? Was there going to be anybody in the room? And actually, we had a pretty uh, good-sized crowd. And so we took time making fun of blockchain at the very beginning, or I made fun of blockchain, just because, you know, they were kind of the enemy, you know, and we were the good guys. Always the losers in school that make fun of the popular kids. So I figured... The losers is? Losers anyway. Is <laughs> so just some interesting takeaways. I'll be writing an article about this. Uh, hopefully, I'll have it posted today. But... um you know, that they had said, so we had, let me just, uh, we had people from Morgan Stanley, uh, Citibank, uh, Nomura, and BNY Mellon. And there was universal agreement that, first of all, single dealer platforms are basically dead. Um, there were some questions, a lot of questions coming from the audience about, you know, to, to boost liquidity, to, you know, mix you know, to have uh, universal platforms that kind of mix together, you know, the different asset classes, equities, along with fixed income, and then, you know, how will that work? And again, there was a lot of scoffing at that because, you know, that of just the nature of fixed income, how you have credit, how you have government bonds, how you have these different kind of platforms, you're just not going to be able to have that. There's going to be some sort of standardization, but it's not going to be something where you're just going to have this free for all of just one platform trading everything. I guess is is what it seemed like. I got to listen again to the panel just to make sure that I'm uh, correct on that. And then just talking with uh, some people afterwards, um, you know, one guy said to me, he's like, uh, this, you know, he's like, I've been in the industry for you know several decades, and this sounds that panel sounded a lot like a panel that would have been about equities, you know, 25 years ago, and electronification of equities. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it was a good panel, uh, but like I said, I'll let them, you know, 
once I write the article, I'm much better at writing than I am at uh, being an expert on fixed income uh, <laughs> product that I've never traded in my life. So what the hell do I know? But um, so that was another interesting one. How about you? Let's go uh, back to you. Something, you know, right off the bat, I mean, it's great every year, but I thought this year, uh, especially the C-level roundtable was uh, great. And I have to give a... A shout out to to Bill Murphy. Um, you know, you've chaired you today. You, you, yesterday you did it. I've done panels before, and you know, I I'll speak. I'm not gonna speak for you. I'll speak for me. A lot of times it's just trying to keep your head above water. You have the questions. You do the pre call. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, that's very true. You know, you know what they you know what they're gonna do, and you try to set them up with some some uh, you know softballs. I thought Bill- I, I live in constant fear that somebody's gonna be like, and Anthony, what do you think about this? I'm like, oh, damn yeah, you, man, I yeah, don't know. Exactly. Whatever. No. Do not ask me any questions. I don't want to be involved in any of that. So uh, I thought Bill did a great job of kind of taking it the next step. It was very interactive. He kind of followed up. Kind of he, he to be honest. Well, when you when you have an expert in the field, it definitely helps because he knew the follow up questions to ask and he knew how to target a question. And because of the fact that the panelists respected him um, and respect you know his background, I think that they're more inclined to be a little bit more candid. Um, than they normally would. That was and like I, everybody was coming up to me after the end of the C level panel saying how you know interesting and great it was. How so? Yeah, I, I think that that starts with a with a great moderator. And so for our listeners, I think that you can you know it, it's worth it to be a moderator on these panels because you know you might think ah oh, why would it? yeah you really kind of stick out and you get some really good conversation going. So I think it, it was definitely worthwhile. But yeah, sorry. yeah, and I think it's maybe a great way for you to find something else, maybe about a rival firm that you couldn't normally find out because you can pose it as, oh, yeah, we're at the conference. We're having a conversation, C-level panel, and really you're getting some inside information. So uh, great job with, uh, you know, Bill, and great job with everybody that was on. Everybody on the panel was very open and, and great talking about a lot of different things. Um, I'm tr- tr- You know, a couple of takeaways from that. Uh, I know a big conversation was, uh, was machine learning. That's a big topic. Anthony, you know, wrote the big feature about it. And uh, again, with my pronunciations, Andrew uh, Janian, I, I don't know, from the C- Janin, the CIO from <laughs> Two Sigma Investments. Uh, Andrew, it's it's completely my fault. I'm an idiot. I can't pronounce names. But he said that 10% of his IT staff, roughly 10% of his IT staff is focused on machine learning. Uh, so that was, you know, interesting. Clay Stack, uh, CTO at uh, Marathon Asset Management, uh, said the cloud as a structure off-premise is not something uh, we're interested in right now. Well, let me jump in on Clay sure. there because he's been at several of our panels. So I've, especially on the buy side, um, uh, since he's from buy side firm at buy side North America, He's been there for several years, and he's one of those rare voices that you'll ever hear in a technology conference that really kind of, he's not gung-ho about cloud. There's still so much that he's, you know, there's some things that you'll have to be, you know, that are just, you know, you're just going to put it into a cloud. But he's, I would say, the the staunchest, I don't know, um, whatever. I, I, like I said, I was up to 1 o'clock Going morning. somewhere there, huh? But weren't you? You're trying. He, you're trying. You've, I've watched his evolution, and he's been the hardest pressed against the cloud and even he's now slowly starting there's some areas where like he, yeah, where the he glaciers, started to hedge a little the, bit the glacier is certainly uh melting it seems like and he even admits that and then uh michael radzimski uh cio at lord abbott kind of said you know two clay's concerns i think the vendors are listening in regard to a lot of the cloud concerns so that was a great talk uh a lot of great topics you know blockchain did come up innovation did come up um 
it, it, it was a lot of good stuff. So I did appreciate that. And to the point of uh, Bill Murphy, I know he's a big podcast guy. Hopefully he's listening now. He did give me a great tip for podcasts that I'll pass along to everyone else. Listen to your podcast at one and a half uh, speed. You can get through them quicker and uh, you don't lose any of the content. So there you go. There's a pro tip for the week. I mean, that we're here to not only to provide you with a podcast, but to provide you with information as to how you should listen to said podcast. It's really, it's really incredible. Uh, one, I'll do one. I'll do double up. We'll do snake style fashion. I'll do one more, and then I'll bounce back to you. Uh, I also sat in a panel about, um, you know, enhancing your trading strategy around, you know, the current regulatory landscape. A lot of good information there. One of the most interesting things that was brought up through the great Slido app that we have, where the, you know, the the uh, members can uh, it's Slido as usually. Slido. It's the same thing. That's like tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, so one of the great things that one of the great questions I was asked, the question was, um, what will happen to Dodd Frank if Donald Trump is elected president, U.S. president? And uh, Henry, uh, what will happen to America if Dodd Frank <laughs> is elected president? Would be a better one. Yeah. Go on. And Henry uh, Kravchenko did a great job of. Twisting it a little bit. I would it. bet you anything that's not how you try pronounce to, try to slip that one in. <laughs> try to slip that one in. Um, Henry did a great job of kind of tweaking the question a little bit to, okay, uh, what will the next president, how will that affect the regulatory landscape? And uh, uh, JP Shavat, uh, the CTO of equities at Deutsche Bank, basically said, are you kidding me? Like just laughed in his face. Um, and then uh, Mustafa Rade, I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle don't, here. Don't even bother. I'm fighting a losing battle here. Yeah. Uh, Mustafa had a great answer. He basically said, he thinks at the end of the day, he wants more transparency. And, uh, you know, he can't be a jungle out there. You know, at the end of the day, to be quite frank, he said, everybody lost money in the financial crisis. So there needs to be more, you know, himself, everyone included. So there needs to be more transparency, but there needs to be a balance. It can't be too strict. Um, and then uh, Justin Slaughter, uh, that's a great name that I can definitely, I definitely know I got right. The uh, chief policy advisor and senior counsel of the CFTC. He said, no matter what happens, uh, you know, left or right, there will be massive changes to Dodd-Frank. Uh, whether that means completely it's going to be stripped down or it's going to be ratcheted up. Um, and you know, to, to what degree that will happen will also change. Uh, but he thinks 100% whoever gets uh, elected, you know, there'll be some massive changes. So I thought that was that was interesting. You know, politics are always interesting. The presidential election. Uh, do you have anything on that, or do you want to you know mention something else that you saw at the conference? I didn't see on. I was. Uh, I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was just mingling around having a coffee, but I missed that one. Uh, and I didn't have a chance to even read your article yet because I'm an outstanding editor. Great boss and a better editor. Great up, boss. Great editor. Sometimes you just hand some things off to the copy editor and say, Alina, please uh, handle this. Uh, I'm going to be busy. Uh, but I'll check it out later on. Uh, but I guess one of the other things, um, there was a presentation after the CIO uh, roundtable, Barry Smith. Uh, he was talking. Uh, he had a presentation I gave. And he taught Equinix. Uh, so he's from Equinix. Sorry, he's um, the managing director of global capital markets at Equinix. And he was talking briefly about uh, Internet of Things, uh, IoT, and how they're getting big into that. Uh, we did actually a webcast with them, which we can link to. Uh, that you know, I thought that was one of the more interesting topics. It's really out there as far as what capital markets firms are going to do. But it's something that you know you have to kind of keep an eye on in the distance because of the de the data and the information that's going to be generated from it and what kind of value can you get out of that. But uh, he was talking about the work that they've done with GE and um, GE's been a leader. Anything that they make, 
they put a sensor on it now. Um, so for jet engines, they were talking about how you had um, that Malaysia airplane that went missing. Uh, they said that within five years that you'll never see a plane that will go missing ever again. We'll know what happened to it, at least where it landed. Um, but there won't be these mysteries around um, where planes, ships, stuff like that, uh, because everything is going to be censored and you'll have real time. You'll know where it is and it won't be there won't be a way to disable that. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And then the last uh, keynote that we had. Um, let me see. Uh, Soto. What, what, Lisa Soto. No, no. Lisa Soto at the very end, um, right before the roundtables. Uh, so she's a partner at Hunt and Williams uh, Consultancy, and she talked about cyber threats and then the legal landscape around that. So we talk a lot about cybersecurity, but she was talking about the legal implement, implications that exist for the company, for the CEOs of companies. And I think that even more than the, the data breach and stuff like that, that scares people. Uh, once you start worrying about that you could be criminally negligent in some of these, um, so that's pretty interesting. The possibility then. of jail time gets people uh, real tight real quick. It's I think it scared a couple people. Do I? One person literally came up to me and said, "Yeah, that her basic presentation scared the crap out of me." Uh, so we need I need to go sit down and talk with my legal team about uh, about just how covered we are on certain aspects that I didn't kind of think about. So I thought that was interesting. I'll be writing an article about that. That was uh, from the event itself. I would say that those are my key touch points uh, that I have. Just side note, as someone that is uh, whose girlfriend is a lawyer, you never really want to get into like, oh yeah, this isn't illegal. Like I can't get in trouble for this because very quickly you'll go down a rabbit hole. Well, technically, so I'm just amazed last night as I was walking home after drinking scotch all night that I wasn't going. This isn't illegal. It's okay for me to do this. <laughs> I thought this was America. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Um. Yeah, I, the other thing I'll just say is that we had, I know you had one person come up to you and talk to you about the podcast. Um, I spoke to uh, a couple other people about, just about the podcast, uh, who then in turn started telling other people about the podcast. So I know we have, obviously we have a lot of financial guys. So here, I want everybody to listen in, turn up the volume right now. If all of you tell one person to listen to the podcast, and then, we'll all, have 20 and listeners. then all of those people <laughs> tell one person to listen to the podcast, and then all of those, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like a, not a pyramid, maybe a triangle scheme where everybody tells everybody. You're paying it forward. Um, you're paying it forward, yeah. And then the more people we have listened, the more people we can have interaction. But actually, this week alone, we've had, uh, you know, we had a couple people email Tony and I, uh, including a, one angry conference producer. Um, but, we, you know, we've had a lot of uh, interaction. So it's been great to hear back from you guys. And like we said, we want to hear what you like. More importantly, we want to hear what you don't like so we don't keep doing that. Um, but it's been great. Switching gears now to... Uh, the actual awards. I don't know about you, Tony. I'm not going to get, you know, not taking anything away from the awards. They did, Everyone did a fantastic job. Well-deserving. We're not going to go through and name every single company. That's what the write-ups are we, for. We have, a, we have a list that we'll link to of all the winners. And then a couple weeks from now, we'll have the winners and why they won. We'll have write-ups as to the project that they were working on that our judges felt that... Uh, yeah, it's, it, we can't do them justice here on the podcast with the time. So there's no point going into that. What I do want to talk about, though, is our special guest speaker was Peter King. For those of you that know, don't know, Peter King is probably, you know, everybody now knows Adam Schefter because of his presence on ESPN and whatnot. But Peter King was really Adam Schefter before Adam Schefter. Peter King was the guy, you know, the biggest, you know, his Monday morning quarterback column in Sports, in Sports Illustrated was huge. Now he's got his own website, MM uh, Monday morning. 
mmqb.com, which is under the Sports Illustrated uh, banner. Uh, Just a really, really nice guy. Really genuine guy. You know, you never know what to get in these type of things. You know, Tony and I are lucky enough to be able to sit with them at dinner. He's a really genuine, nice guy. You had great conversation with us, talking to us a lot about a lot of different things about sports. Uh, you know, Anthony had did a fantastic job of uh, you know doing a Q and A with him on the stage. Uh, I guess first, just Tony. Overall, what were your thoughts on Peter King? Yeah, I thought you know you, you hear a lot about him, and you know people sometimes will you know rip into him because you know they'll call him the mouthpiece of Roger Goodell and stuff like that. But you know, I think the thing that I've always appreciated about him is that he does real journalism. He sits down. You know, he, and he writes good long form articles, you know, about, you know, the players, about the athletes, about, you know, really gets in, doesn't just report, just, a, it's not about this quick, you know, what's the next news? What's the next news? Let's get into that. There's a, an analysis that goes into it. And I think a well thought out, researched, boots on the ground analysis. He's at the training camps. He's at, you know, and, and his team of writers, they're there. So people always kind of, you know, shit on him. But I think that, there's some people do, um, but I think that, you know, what he does is very interesting. I read him more than I'm going to read, you know, even like the guys that break news and stuff like that. As much as I uh, respect, you know, Jay Glazer and Schefter, not so much Morton's <laughs> uh, after he's dead to me after the whole Patriots. Whoa, uh, whoa, the easy thing. saying, come on, man, <laughs> have respect for the guy. Jesus. Oh yeah, that's right. He is sick. I, I do apologize about that. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dan. Um, so I would say that I'm I'm always very impressed by what they put out on the site, and I've been reading him in Sports Illustrated for decades. I'll just say that I, you know, Anthony and I talked about this uh, afterwards, you know, uh, at the at the drinks afterwards ceremony, and kind of just how nice of a guy he was. And you know what? It's easy for the uh, you know SB Nation Bleacher Report guys that essentially are working from home, watching their favorite team every Sunday, and then writing up, you know, blog posts to kind of take shots at somebody like Peter King, because he's, you know, on the highest pedestal, and he's been around for a long time. But at the end of the day, like you said, he's got boots on the ground. He has all these relationships. He's fostered all this information. You know, he's doing a, he's doing a good job. And, you know, you always want to take a shot at the King. So, literally. <laughs> um because I was up on stage doing the Q&A and, you know, because so Dan was in the background. So we were getting real time questions from the audience via an app uh, from the Slido app. And uh, I do yeah, shut up. Uh, <laughs> and so I wasn't I was just trying to read through the questions, trying to pick out which one best. What were some of maybe the more interesting things that he had as far as insights with the, with the draft coming up and everything like that? What, what kind of stuck out to you? So, you know, Obviously, you did a good job. You know, you got to understand your audience. I know we're worldwide. You know, we have people. You, you, I look at the cities that this podcast listen to. I look at the sites. You know, the cities that the, go to the site. It's all over the world. But for this particular conference, it's mostly a New. It's definitely a New York heavy crowd. Um, so you let off with you know what's the deal with Ryan Fitzpatrick? I thought that was interesting. He seems to think the Jets are going to make some type of move next week during the draft. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Not so much drafting a quarterback, but maybe getting a quarterback. On another from another team trading for a quarterback, so that still remains to be seen. Another, you know, to that point, the other New York team, you asked them the question about Eli Manning: Is he going to make it into the Hall of Fame? Had a great answer for that, saying it's tough to to judge him now because yeah, like some people would say, oh, you're hedging or you. But no, that is a that's what makes that question great is that you really don't know which side of the fence you're on on that. Eli Manning, I said this. Eli Manning is the epitome of me, epitome to me of someone that is like you said on the fence. If you came up to me and said, 
Eli Manning, there's no way he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'd say, well, you know, that's a good point. And if you came up to me and said, there's no way Eli Manning shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, I'd say, well, you know, that's a good point too. So, uh, he's, he's such a great debate point. And, you know, Peter made the point, well, he's still probably, he thinks he's still going to play for four more years. So, you know, depending on how the next four years goes, could dictate if he kind of falls off the rails completely, then that's going to hurt his chances. If he does really well, then that'll help his chances. He said, if he stopped playing football right now, he really doesn't know how he would vote. And he, to his credit, he has a vote for the, uh, for the, um, the hall of fame. So I thought that was point was interesting. I'm trying to think of, you know, uh, one, uh, uh, Jay, uh, be, be, uh, be, oh, oh yeah, somebody yes. else is having trouble with last names. How <laughs> uh, the tables have turned. We'll just Shut call him down. Jay. Jay, friend of the, you know, friend of Waters. Uh, he put in a great question saying, you know, with the two trade-ups between, uh, you know, the Titans and the Eagles, has, you know, in for two guys, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, that aren't really considered by anyone the two best players in the draft, are has the, you know, the infatuation with quarterbacks reached a new level. And you know, Pete, rational exuberance. The, was you, the term there, was. you used it. You used the words a lot better than I did. Uh, and Peter was like, "That's a great point. That's something, uh, you know, that I think is happening, and that's something that I'm trying to find out more about." And and the point made that was really good. There was that you know, if it works out, you look at Eli Eli Manning. They moved up. They trade away a ton of picks just to move up three spots in what was a deep quarterback draft that year with um, B. Roth and uh, Rivers. Rivers. And maybe there was a couple others in that draft. Um, but people at the time were like, oh, my God, that's so much. What are you doing giving up that much, you know, to get just to move up a couple spots in this draft? And then you go and you win two Super Bowls. No one remembers what that trade sure. was. If this goes to hell and Goth sucks and Wentz sucks, then people are going to have long memories about that. And there will be some people that lose their jobs. But if. One of them leads a couple Super Bowls. No one's going to remember the trade ever. He also did say, uh, I don't know, people always love the stuff. I, I'm, you know, maybe I'm just a horrible person. I really don't care. But, uh, you know, asking what's the future of football with the head injuries. He did say, you did a good job of asking him uh, if he had a son. He has two daughters. Uh, but if he had a son, would he let him play football? And he said he wouldn't let him play football until he was in uh, high school. And he said that 20 to 30 years from now, he thinks that, you know, that, that football will be in trouble. Like that, you're just go- that right now that the sport's safe for 20, 30 years. But I was surprised uh, to hear him say that, you know, yeah, he doesn't see that. Well, he's not going to be around then, so he doesn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least not, hopefully he's around. Hopefully he's just not going to be. Oh, yeah, the I, yeah. I'm not wishing death upon Peter King by no means. He's a great guy. Again, we're very happy to have him. Um, so go read his stuff, go follow him on Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, kind of the turning away now from the fintech stuff. Our final point. Uh, it's a sad. It's a sad one. You guys are probably all aware. Uh, Prince passed away yesterday. Uh, obviously, you know, a legend, uh, a legendary artist, a legendary musician, uh, one of the all-time greats. Uh, Anthony, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, so I grew up, my brother, uh, who's eight years older than me, uh, he was, um, he is a Monster Prince fan. Like, his room when I was growing up was wall-to-wall purple. And, like, when he changed to the symbol, when he changed his name to the symbol, he would walk around with a necklace, you know, with the Prince symbol necklace. Like, huge, huge Prince fan. Um, right now, I have him working on uh, something that will link, uh, that will put in the post, but it'll be his top ten uh, best Prince songs that, that of his favorite. But the thing about Prince, there were two things that kind of jumped out to me. One, he 
people forget that he's probably one of the top ten greatest guitarists of all time. Like, Easy. amazing. If you there were a couple people passing around, but um, there was a tribute to George Harrison that he was on with um, uh, uh what the hell's his name? Tom Petty and a couple other guys were up on stage, and about the three minute twenty second mark, he just comes on and just absolutely shreds it. Just. It was incredible to watch his, just his, his handwork and stuff like that, and just the innovation that he was doing up there, and just the, the joy he was having doing it um, as a performer. If you anybody that says that his Super Bowl wasn't his Super Bowl halftime show wasn't the best, I'm sorry, we can't be friends. You know, I can't talk to you if you don't think that his uh, during that see in the rain playing Purple Rain. My God, it was spectacular. And then the other thing that just kind of jumps out to me though is just that. You know, you see so many, we've had a lot of people that passed away, a lot of geniuses that passed away. The thing about so many you know, musicians is at some point you lose your fastball and you just start relying on the classics. And, you know, there's not a lot of innovation going on, not a lot of good, you know, new stuff. You know, you just, you're playing, you're either playing the same songs you've always been playing and you don't really change it up that much. Or you just do the, the, the best of, uh, you know, series. Even the last couple of years, he's been putting out some great fun funky albums um and you know some really good songs if you if you're looking to download some stuff obviously you know his classics from the 70s 80s into the 90s some recent stuff um check out a couple songs uh funk and roll uh screwdriver clouds breakdown uh pretzel body language you know uh these are all really fun funky print songs that just recently came out uh, within the last, you know, three five years. Uh, I was at two to three years even. Um, so that's that was my takeaway. Um, that uh, you know, bummer to have to not have his music around because he was still producing good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Little Red Corvette, one of my all time favorites. Um, and what I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I was never a huge. I, I respect Prince is a great artist. I never listened to a lot of Prince. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, I listen to Prince all the time. I, I didn't. Obviously, great artist, uh, amazing musician. What I will always remember Prince for, uh, and this is just because I'm a child of the generation, is the Dave Chappelle, Charlie of course, Murphy of course. Uh, Prince story. If you haven't, I'm not going to link it to our website. I'm not going to put the YouTube video because there's a lot of bad words they say, but it is one of the funniest, I think it might be the funniest Chappelle show skit uh, of the entire series. Just Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince when he dunks and then says game blouses and then he lets go of the rim and he's still floating. <laughs> oh yeah. And then at the end, nice. Charlie Murphy's like, I know what you're thinking. Prince, how Prince beat you guys in ball. Get your boys and go play him. Find the park and go play Prince and then see what happens <laughs> it's it's incredible i'm laughing just thinking about it uh like you know like you said a really sad day uh you know especially you know a couple few months ago uh with the passing of david bowie two really eccentric wild artists that brought legends, legends you know, just true legends. that just brought their own flair to it and really changed the musical game i'm sure influence and merle haggard will throw in you know on the countryside sure. too. i'm a huge merle haggard fan yeah i don't really like country so whatever um but uh and then you know real quick Talk about getting overshadowed, because if it wasn't for Prince dying, I'm sure this person would have got a lot more attention. China, the ninth wonder of the world, uh, a legend in the wrestling game. Uh, it wasn't the first big female wrestler because there was Mae Young. There was a lot of people way before her, but really brought in a new era. Um, and it's just I get really sad when I think about China, because to give you a quick backstory, she was with Triple H, who ended up cheating on her with 
I don't know, allegedly, I, I can't really say cheating because I don't really know for sure, but allegedly cheated on her with Stephanie McMahon, and then he kind of ran off with Stephanie McMahon, and then she was kind of left, you know, with her hands in her pockets with her. Are we supposed to believe? Is this actually no, this what is happened? True. No, no, this, this is a storyline no, 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 this wasn't a storyline on the show. This is actually true. So she went into a really dark place. She obviously had a ton of demon, demons. Um, she, you know, she kind of fell off from the company. So really sad to see her passing at such a young age. I mean, Prince was obviously young, but she was even younger. I think she was in her 40s. 47, Yeah. So, uh, you know, just two, you know, people that were great at what they did in obviously two very different things, but, uh, you know, um, very sad. Uh, this, you know, this sucks. We're ending on such a bummer note. Uh, but next week's the draft. So that's fun. So Anthony, I'll talk I won't about be that. around. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm in, I'm off all next week in Raleigh. I can try and phone yeah, in. But. So we might try to phone in with Anthony. This might be the precursor to phoning in other people, um, down the road, but, uh, we might try to phone in. I'm going to see if I want to bother him. If not, it'll just be me. So you can just hear me drone on about the jets and how they're going to screw up their first round pick. Um, but, oh, Anthony, who are the Patriots going to pick with their first-round pick? Sure. Oh, wait. That's what happens when you cheat. Um, all right, well, that's it for me. We went pretty long. But, um, Anthony, you have anything else to add? Uh, nope, I'm done. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us. And, like I said, give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. And tell some friends. Um, other than that, thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk next week.